Hey guys, it's Melissa Moore. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Faith, Hope, Love, where we grow together in our faith, increase in hope, and learn how to better love God and love other people. So today's episode is part two in a small mini-series called Mary and Martha, and it's a little piece of the Life and Teachings of Jesus series that we've been doing for the last several months. I'm really excited for this episode. I feel like it's something that I resonate with a lot. Um, as we're going to talk a little bit about grief. So I know for myself, um, and I'm sure for many of you watching, um, you've walked through some sort of loss. I know for me, um, in the last, um, it's been six years, um, we've had um, three miscarriages, and we also, um, I lost my mom a few years back. And so for me, um, grief is not new, um, but it's something that like over time, God has really shown me his love, as well as how he walks with us in our grief. So we're gonna take a little bit of time to look at how Jesus responds to death and grief today. I know it sounds like a heavy topic, but I really want to touch on this idea that the way that God loves us has the impact of being able to help us to navigate those really difficult things within the grief process. We don't walk through our grief alone. So if you missed last week, you may have um, missed out on this beginning of this series with Mary and Martha where we briefly talked about Jesus' first encounter with these two women and the idea that um, Mary was doing in, in that culture the wrong thing by spending time um, at the feet of Jesus, listening to him speak and teach. And Martha was doing the right thing by serving in the kitchen and providing a meal for, for Jesus and his disciples. But in that moment, Jesus flips the whole thing over and says, Mary has done the better thing. And I, I essentially encouraged you guys last week, spend time in God's presence because he doesn't just want the things that you can do for him. Jesus wants you. So if you missed that episode, please take a minute just to go back and watch that good little context as to who these women are. And now we will dive in to John 11 as we take a look at what happened when Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother passed away. Let's jump on it. To John chapter 11. All right, so just to give a little context as to where Jesus is in his ministry at this time, there's already been numerous death threats, um, situations where he's been st like attempted stonings. Um, back in the day, it was really common for people to be killed by having huge rocks thrown at them. So Jesus has already had this happening. A lot of people didn't like him because of the way that he taught. Again, totally contradicted a lot of the ways that the Pharisees and the religious leaders at that time um, they were essentially living um, in a way that they thought they were doing the right thing, but they were not um, they were not living up to the standard that God had for them. They were doing all this stuff for God, but they weren't actually serving God. They were serving themselves. And so Jesus confronting all of that hypocrisy in them um, got him a lot of problems with them. And so we that's kind of where we're sitting as we move into this next passage. So we're going to pick up in um, John chapter 11, and we'll just take a look. Um, again, just to also drop you into where we are in his relationship with Mary and Martha. Um, they've likely been friends for a while at this point, and you'll see with that as we hop into this passage. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That'll be next week's episode. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
And so again, you see that their relationship has grown. Again, it's not just this, this first instance where Mary was at the feet of Jesus. Their relationship, Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus has grown, right? Jesus has this deep, deep love for these three people. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. That doesn't seem right, right? He, you, you think the story should say he left right away to go heal him. No, he waited for two days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back, right? They're, they're trying to keep him safe, right? And themselves as well. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake... I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go so that we may die with him. Essentially what Thomas is saying and the disciples in going with Jesus to Judea are essentially saying, hey, if Jesus, our rabbi, who we know and believe to be the son of God, if he goes to die, we will go with him. Not just to, to be his like support team as he goes through that, but we're willing to sacrifice to lay down our lives because we believe in who Jesus is. We believe that he is who he says he is. Now, a little spoiler alert, all his disciples kind of peace out when he gets arrested. And again, we'll touch on that in, in several episodes from now. We'll talk about that, what happened um, in leading up to Jesus' death. But we see that his disciples at this point, they, they believe in who Jesus is and they're willing to follow him even to death. So let's see what happens here as he, he approaches Mary and Martha. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. I mean, it took time for him to get to where they were. Now, Bethany was two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. And it's almost like we see this, this, really, this real growth in Martha, that she's not just doing things for Jesus anymore. She has a real relationship with him to the point where she hears that he's coming and she runs out to greet him because he is her good, good friend and she knows that he cares for her. And we see that these two women are grieving differently, right? Martha goes out to see Jesus. She's excited that he's there even in the midst of her grief. But we see that Mary is, is really hurting and she stays home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And it's interesting because a lot of times I've heard it said that she's kind of accusing him like, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And the way that this is written, if you look at the, the original Greek, that's not how this is being said. Martha's just saying, hey, I, I understand that if you had been here, you would have healed him. And it's like, it's, it's okay, you know? But she says, 
Um, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So Martha answered, and you know, good theological response here. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day, right? She's, she's essentially knowing like, okay, like, I know what you've taught us. I know that one day he will rise again and, you know, he'll be with you in glory. And, you know, he, she's giving this like really like normal response, right? She's like, yeah, like, I know, like, I know that he will. And, you know, that was enough for her. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And it's kind of going back to what she's just said, right? That there's there's this resurrection that um, for those that believe in Jesus, that after they die, they, they, they get to be in heaven with him for the rest of eternity. So again, Martha understands this on a, an intellectual level. She gets this. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She looks at Jesus and she says, I know you are who you say you are. I know that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, that they have been waiting for forever to come. The religious leaders of the day didn't understand that that's who Jesus is, but Martha gets it. She gets it because she spent the time to get to know Jesus. And so she knew in her heart and in her mind that Jesus is who he said he was, the Messiah, the Son of God. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he is waiting for you. He is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Right? He's, he's taking his time. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said the same thing that Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I want to stop here for a second. We talked in the last episode about Mary being at the feet of Jesus. It's the same exact thing. It's this, this relationship of reverence and respect and awe. She's worshiping Jesus in this moment, even as she's grieving and it's, again, not said with anger, God, if you had been here, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I'm sure she, she acknowledges that. She believes that if Jesus had come several days earlier, four days earlier, Lazarus would be alive and well. He wouldn't be in the tomb. And she acknowledges that in her, in her head. She knows that. But she's not accusing Jesus of this. She's simply stating a fact. Like, I... I know that you could have done something if you had been here. But again, even in her grief, she's worshiping at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And this is the shortest verse in the entirety of the Bible. Jesus wept. He looked at these people who were grieving, that were deeply sad by the death of this man, Lazarus, that he was deeply moved and he grieved with them. He saw their heartache and, and their, their, I mean, their, their literal heartbreak at the death of this man, Lazarus. And for these two women that he cared about, for their brother, 
And Lazarus was his friend. He was weeping over this death, even though he knew what was about to happen. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? And they're right. Again, just as Mary and Martha both had said, you, you could have healed him, right? We know that you could have healed him. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, <laughs> said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. He would have smelled at this point. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. He's going to use this for a purpose. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, again, this is a really complex scene here, but there's a couple of things that I really want to touch on. And I'm, I mentioned at the very beginning, grief is not an idea that is foreign to me. It's something that I've, I've, we've had to walk through quite a bit in the last several years. And in studying the grief process, you know, a lot of it is, is first being in denial when someone dies, right? Or you, you have some sort of tremendous loss. You're like, this can't be happening, this kind of shock. But then we also see um, anger, right? They're being moved out of denial and they feel this really intense, intense emotion and anger. There can be some bargaining, depression, and the hope is that people find acceptance. And I believe in studying God's word that this, the grief cycle shouldn't just end in acceptance, which is essentially just this, this um, state of just rest, which is not a bad thing. We need rest after we've been grieving. But I feel like Jesus calls us to more than that. I believe that Jesus calls us to hope at the end of grief. But we see in these, these, these short passages here that Jesus, not only his heart doesn't just break for those that he loves, that he sees grieving and hurting, but he too grieves the loss of his friend. Even though he knew what he was about to do, he still felt that grief. And he did this, this thing where he kind of, he's talking to God and he says, I'm saying this so that the other people around me will see that you are the one doing this. That he is in this moment taking a situation, you know, that should have been, you know, awful, that should have been, you know, at an end. But Jesus says, I'm going to use this situation to point people to myself as the son of God, as the Messiah and point them ultimately back to God the Father. And I want to just touch on this briefly. I'm not going to read the following section, but there's essentially after this, there's again this new plot to kill Jesus. The religious leaders heard about him raising Lazarus to the dead from the dead, and they're pissed. They want Jesus gone because he has essentially um, taken all of their followers, and, and he has essentially been saying everything that they're doing is wrong. They're angry. You would think that these religious leaders would be so excited, like, hey, this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God that we've been waiting for. But no, instead, this makes them furious. 
And it's heartbreaking. That's not the response they should have had. They should have been like the crowds there looking at this event and saying, hey, Jesus obviously is not from this world. He is the Son of God that we've been waiting for. And it's really unfortunate that they missed that. But I want to look at this just briefly. If, if maybe you're in a situation right now where you're experiencing grief, I want you to know that when Jesus looks at you, when he looks at your situation, he grieves for you. He weeps for you and with you. He cares about you so much and he doesn't want to see you hurt. But there's, there's things just with living in this world that's broken and flawed that we will experience loss in this life, whether it's loss of a parent or of a child or a friend. And whatever that loss may look like for you, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he wants to walk with you through this loss. He doesn't want you to grieve alone. He grieved with these people. And then he did something really profound. He made purpose from their grief. And so I know for myself, I have found this to be true in my own life. That when, in, when I was in the middle of grief, especially after my miscarriages, I had moments where I was like, God, why are you doing this? Like I was literally at Jesus' feet saying, you could have prevented this. You could have fixed this. Why? You know that I love you. I would do anything for you. Why would you let this happen to me? And I mean, these women, they, they felt that. They knew that Jesus could have intervened and stopped that from happening. I felt that, that deep why in my heart. Why, God, would you do this? And when you're in the middle of grief, sometimes you need to ask that question. Something that's important for us to process, why is this happening? But then there's a point, and it, again, it's, it's hard, but eventually you'll notice that shift where instead of just asking why, you start to ask the question, how? How, God, are you going to use this? And that's kind of what Jesus does here. He says, okay, this has happened. How can I use this to point people to God? And I believe just how Jesus did that then, he can still do it now. And it's been now seven years since my last miscarriage. And it's been something that, again, when I was in that season, it was just why? Why, why, why? And that's fair. Again, I was really deeply hurting and grieving, but Jesus didn't leave me there. And it was several years later that I really, God just was like, I want to use that. And I think that whatever kind of grief you're walking through, we got to ask him, God, I don't want that pain and that hurt to just be for nothing. God, how can you use that grief to either do some transformative work in me? Again, in Romans 5, 3 through 5, we've talked about this a couple times, but suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And that hope does not disappoint us because it's in Christ. Maybe God somehow is going to use that grief to help to teach us perseverance. And he's going to grow our character. And he's going to give us hope so that when we come into that suffering and that grief again, we'll be ready for it. And we will be a different and a better person because of it. And again, it doesn't make the grief go away. It doesn't make it so that the pain is just instantly gone. But we can, we're able to then see 
that. I, I know even in the middle of this why, this feeling of why, I know that you have a purpose and you're going to use this somehow. And so for me personally, this was something I just, I asked God, God, what do you want from me? And he gave me this, this decision just to, to write a book. It's not published yet, maybe one day, but I just, I, it's, it took me almost a year to write this book, essentially walking through how do you, how do you grieve? How do you process through this biblically? And how do you, you know, use your grief to help somebody else? And so now I've taken that book and I've modified it into a journal and I lead a miscarriage support group at my church right now. If this is something that you feel like you need that, maybe you've lost, um, lost a child during pregnancy, I would love to walk with you and support you through that and, and find a way to get you plugged into one of our future miscarriage support groups. But that was the thing is, is it was, it was hard at first. If I had been in the middle of my grief asking God how he was going to use it, I couldn't see that far. I was just seeing the why. But it was in that couple years later, God was just saying, you need, I'm going to use that. And, and again, it was, it was scary at first, but just take, being obedient to God saying, hey, this is how I'm going to use this in your life. And so I want to talk to you. Maybe, maybe right now you're in that why season where you're just like, Jesus, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to get through today or this week or this month. I want you to know that if you're in that season, God loves you and he will walk with you through this. You are not alone in your grief, even though you may feel isolated, even if you may feel alone. I want you to know that you're not alone. And if you're maybe right now in the, the deep pit of depression and you're really, really struggling, if there's any, any thought in your mind about harming yourself or harming someone else, please reach out to me. I want to connect you with some resources that are going to help you to get through that depression. Jesus doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you to hurt like that. He wants you to feel hope again, and you just got to get through one more day. But reach out. Again, I would love to provide you with some resources to help you to get through that depression stage of grief. You're not alone. You've got God, and there's other people that want to walk with you through that. You're not alone. And maybe you're listening to this, and you've had grief like that, but you're out of that now. And now you're asking God, how can you use what I've walked through to help somebody else? I want to encourage you, spend time with God right now and ask him that question. And I guarantee you, if you sit long enough, God will give you answers. It may not just be today. Maybe it'll be weeks from now. Continue to ask God that question. God, how are you going to use that? How do you want to use that? And maybe it's starting your own group. If there's not a grief support group near you, Start your own group. Gather together people that you know have walked through that and that are still currently walking through that specific kind of grief. And just gather together and support and encourage each other. Maybe you um, have the chance to mentor or lead a small group at your church. I would encourage you to do that. As you are able to share your life and your story with people that are around you, maybe they're the same age as you, maybe they're younger than you, You can disciple and encourage people as they are working through the grief process because this is something that over and over again, that's how life, that's what happens. Life ends in death at some point 
And I guarantee you, if you're leading a small group, there will be a time that you have someone in your group that goes through loss and grief. And you can be prepared to lead and encourage and walk with that person through that process to help point them, not to yourself, point them to Jesus in knowing that he loves them and he will walk with them through it. And you're going to be right there beside them. So I want to encourage you, whether you're in the grief right now, or maybe you're out of it, whether you're asking why or asking how, I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus wants to use the brokenness and the hurt of this world to give hope to the world. And most importantly, to point them to him as the son of God and the Messiah. All of this, nothing else matters if people don't know who Jesus is, if they don't know him as their Lord and their Savior, as the Son of God, as the Messiah. Again, in John 3, 16, God the Father loved the world so much that he sent his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. There's hope in that. Because if you believe that, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you will have that hope that even if things don't change in your circumstances right now, there's hope in eternity, hope in heaven, that things ultimately will get better. And the people that you lose, that again, that believe in Christ as their Savior, you will get to see them again one day. There's hope in that. And so again, I want to wrap this up. I want to pray for you guys today because I feel like this is a heavy message. And if you've made it to this point in the video, um, obviously it's something that you have, have walked through, you know, experienced personally. Either you are going through it now or you're, you're out of it and you're trying to figure out how God are you going to use that season of my life. So I want to pray for you and just hopefully close out and give you a little bit of encouragement. Father God, thank you so much for whoever's watching this video right now that maybe needs a little bit of hope just to get through this day and to get through tomorrow. I want them to feel your presence, God, to feel the love that you have for them, that you weep with them. I also pray for the person that maybe has already walked through grief that just wants the, the go ahead, the green light from you to, to try something new, to get out of their comfort zone, to serve and to love people that are still in the thick of grief. Whether it's joining a, a grief share program and helping to lead that or starting a miscarriage support group ministry, whatever it is, or even just leading a small group at their church, I pray that you would give them boldness and encouragement to know that you will walk alongside them as they support and encourage other people, ultimately pointing other people to you. I pray that you would just, whoever's watching this, just give them your hope, give them your encouragement and help them to know that you love them and they do not walk through this life alone. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for joining me for this episode of Faith, Hope, Love. We will have yet another episode of the Life and Teachings of Jesus, the mini-series, Mary and Martha, back here next week. Have a great week, you guys.